welcome everybody to He's Not Done Yet. We're so delighted that you're tuned in today, and we are, of course, at a, another location today uh, due to the tornado hitting our offices and everything. Of course, we've got everybody in our prayers uh, over that situation, and the Lord is really blessing, and uh, we're just so thankful that you're here with us today. And, uh, you know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry that airs every Sunday morning at uh, 10 a.m., and it airs on Victory Radio Station uh, at 10 a.m. from 10 to 11. Uh, we'd love to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church. Uh, we have church on Sunday morning at 10.30, Sunday evening at 7, and then we're back on midweek at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, and we're... We would love for you to reach out. You could reach me on my cell phone at 501-339-8017. That's 339-8017. I'd love for you to reach out uh, if you want prayer requests or if you'd like to come to church, I'd love for you to uh, sit with uh, my family and we would just we would just be so honored if you would. And uh, I promise you, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And um, today's scripture comes from Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're just praising you right now, God. We thank you, Lord. Oh, God, that this would fall on good ground, Lord. We just pray it today, Lord. We love you. We honor you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, today's a very special day. This has um, got a special guest, uh, one, of my, one of my heroes. Um, he is a minister. Um, I consider him my friend. He's an author. Uh, he has wrote uh, books, and um, like I said, I have uh, the utmost respect uh, for Brother Whitehead, and we're so honored that you're here today, brother, and we would just love for you to come on in and, and obey the Holy Ghost, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that uh, introduction you just gave. i uh kind of nervous today. It's been a good while since I've spoken in a few years. In fact, uh, probably four or five years. But anyway, I had a little thought this morning or today, and I've been looking at it for a good while ever since you asked me to come on this uh, podcast. And so uh, I've been praying about it and studying and thought I had it all together until Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning after uh, the prayer was given for the, oh, or over the, the sick, our bishop prayed for them. And, and the musicians were playing and the ensemble was singing and, when they went and sat down, the preachers went and sat down, the Holy Ghost fell. And I had looked, this, looked at part of this scripture, but I didn't look at, it, at all of it. I just looked at one, one verse. And the Lord spoke to me in the spirit and said, go back and look again. And I went back to Ephesians, the first chapter, and uh, I, I was looking at the 13th chapter. And, it, and the Lord said, go back and read it again. Well, I hadn't read the whole thing. I just looked at that one scripture. So I want to use that for my scripture text today. 
It's uh, the third verse through the 13th verse, and I know it's a little bit long, but it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according to according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of, of, his, of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved." in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded to, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery, remember that word mystery, of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that something? Yeah. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Thank you, Lord. And now I want to go to Isaiah, the 46th chapter, and read a few scriptures there the ninth verse it says remember the former things of old for I am God and there's none else I am God and there's none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure calling a ravenous bird from the east the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And then in the 48th chapter and the 5th verse, this is just my scripture text today that I want to use to uh, illustrate something today that a lot of people, especially new converts, have never heard, and I hope that there's a lot of new converts will will be able to tune into this and and see it and hear it. The fifth, uh, fifth through seven uh, verse in uh, Isaiah 48, it says, "I have, I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it to thee. Lest thou should." should have said, mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten images hath commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all this, will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from, the, from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They are 
created now and not from the beginning, even before the day when they hurtest them not, lest thou shouldest say, Behold, I knew them. What God is saying in this scripture and what Isaiah was saying, it, that before the, before the foundation of the world, it was in the mind of God. It was in the plan of God that all of these things that we're seeing now was predestined to happen. Jesus Christ was predestined. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. And so uh, that's what these scriptures are saying. And then two weeks ago, <laughs> Sunday before last, Brother Holmes, Elder Holmes, Bishop, used this scripture and I said, man, you're on my scriptures. <laughs> but it's found in Psalm 78 and 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Include your ear, your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Remember that, a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard. And known, and our fathers have, have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to, to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law to Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to uh, their children. That the generation might, uh, the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, which should rise, arise, and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast in God. I stammer a whole lot when, when I read the Bible. But uh, there again, that, those three portions of Scripture all go, or actually the four uh, portions of Scripture all go together. And if you go back into Genesis the third chapter, uh, where Eve was beguiled by Satan, you know, uh, they had a God had planted a garden and He placed man in the garden. Brother Nathan Holmes preached it Tuesday night, and he was to to dress or keep the Garden of Eden. That was his covenant with God, and to, he could eat of every tree except that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and and that was his covenant with God. But Eve was beguiled by Satan. He took God's word. He, in fact, God said, in the day that you partake of that fruit, you will surely die. And the devil came to Eve and said, you shall not surely die because when you partake of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will uh, be as God's. And so she saw that it was good to eat. It was beautiful to look at. And it was good for food, so she took it and ate it and gave to her husband. And then in the cool of the day, when God visited with them every day, oh, isn't it wonderful to visit with God every day? Woo, I'm telling you. So uh, 
They hid themselves and they made them some clothes. They made them, well, it wasn't much. It was an apron made out of fig leaves. Can you imagine? Scratchy old fig leaves. But they did it their own way. They didn't, they didn't consult the Lord. They didn't go to God and say, what are we going to do? They just did it themselves. And God came in and said, no, this is not going to work. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to clothe you with some skins. So Adam had to kill some sheep, and God made them a set of clothes to cover their nakedness. And from that point on, throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, the sacrificial lamb had to be sacrificed every year, every year at a certain time for their atonement. Atonement means to cover. In, in other words, they had to, that's how they uh, covered their sins. It wasn't a perfect cover, but it appeased God for just one year, and then they'd have to do it over again, year after year after year. Adam lived 930 years. How many times, how many sheep did he kill? How many lambs did he kill in 930 years? And he taught that to his children. And so that's how the blood came into to being. But because of their sin, God spoke to Eve and he said this, I will put enmity between your seed and his seed the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. I'm going to put enmity between you. Now, what is the enmity? It's something that sits between. Enmity means it's, it's a, it's a go-between. In, in fact, that's where the word enemy come from, enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. And uh, the enmity... A lot of people don't know this. The Lord showed me this in a uh, vision one time. The enmity is the church. It's the church that holds back the wiles of the devil. It's the church that holds him back from coming in full force in the, in the world today. Yeah, it's bad today. It's awful today, what's going on, especially in our country with all of the stuff that's going on that's so ungodly. But but there again, it also holds back the wrath of God. It's between. The church is holding both. We don't, un we as Christians, Holy Ghost filled Christians, don't realize the power that the church has. The church has all power because we've got Jesus Christ in us. We're the body of Christ. The body of Christ has the power to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We have the power to, to pray for people and they receive the Holy Ghost. We have the power to, to, to call, uh, cast out devils. We have all these powers that, that's never been tapped into or uh, very little, but it's not just the ministry that can do that. Brother, let me tell you, before I ever became a preacher, I was praying for the sick. I was, I was uh, seeing people healed. My wife and I have prayed for people and seen them healed. Many times, many, many times. And so that's, that's the power of the church. It's holding back the wrath of God, but it's also holding back the, the wiles of the devil. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and, and we really don't realize how powerful we are. The Bible says, let me, let me look it up. It's found in 2nd chapter of 2nd Thessalonians. 
It talks about the devil, the son of perdition. It says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the devil, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called of God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know that with you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery, remember the word mystery, for the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who uh, now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the, the Lord uh, shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they might be damned who believeth not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So he that letteth, let means to hinder. That's what let means in that scripture. So who's hindering the devil? It's the church. It's the church that's hindering the devil. It's The church has got to get out of here before the devil can be released with his full power. If you remember Lot and his wife, when God sent the two angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they told Lot, we can't do anything until we, we get you out of here. So they had to take them by the hand. One angel took his wife and a daughter, and the other one took Lot and his other daughter and drug them out of city, out of the city of Sodom before the fire and brimstone fell. And, that, and the Bible says, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So we're living in a, in a uh, sodomy generation right now. Uh, uh, this is worse than Sodom. And, and Gomorrah. So that's that's uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring out, that the, he that letteth is the church. The church is what uh, hinders the devil from uh, being turned loose in the earth. And the next thing that happened was uh, he, he drove, God drove the, uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden, and he placed a flaming sword, and I think I told you about this, a flaming sword that, it was cherubims and a flaming sword that turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, what does that mean? I have never, I had never heard anybody preach on it or teach on it. And one day, and I've read it, no telling how many times I've read that scripture and it just went over my head. And one day I it just jumped out of the page at me, and I, I stopped and looked at it. And what does it mean? A sword has always represented the Word of God. It was a flaming sword. The flaming sword represents anointing, and it turned every way. It turned. What is the definition of repentance? It means to turn, to turn around. 
And, and it was to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, keep means to preserve, to hide, to put in a mystery. It's a riddle. It's a proverb. It's a parable. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, I, it just jumped out of the page at me. It's hidden. So all through the Bible from there on, it's little pieces here and there that tells about the, the plan of salvation that's going to come. It's going to be, it's, the church is the apple of God's eye. This is what he's been looking for before the foundation of the world, and we're living in it today. Hallelujah. Woo. We're part of it. Thank God for that. So what it means is this. It takes the anointed preaching of the word of God to cause a person to turn from their sins so that they can be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the anointed fiery preaching. That's what the anointed fire is. Man, let me tell you something. I've seen the fire fall a bunch of times when a man gets up and preaches a, an awesome message where the Holy Ghost would come down. People would run to the altars and fall on their face. I had a good friend. In fact, we were uh, Bible study buddies for years at work. We'd meet together an hour, hour and a half early every morning before work, and we would go through the Bible. We did that for 12 or 14 years. And we got to be on first-name basis with all the characters in the Bible. But, but uh, before he got the Holy Ghost, uh, I had witnessed to him and invited him to come to church. And I was teaching an outreach class at, at that time. My pastor had asked me to teach an outreach class. And uh, I was teaching it, and, and I invited him to come to that class. Well, he started coming. He lived in Star City, and he drove from Star City all the way to, to Pine Bluff. <clears throat> to the church we were going to, and he went through that class for several weeks. And then one Sunday morning, we had a, an evangelist came, and uh, they were a singing group. It was a family. It was a man and wife, and I don't know, it, it was two or three kids, and they had a little 12-year-old girl. And they got up and started singing, and the power of the Holy Ghost fell, and that little 12-year-old girl got in the spirit and she started worshiping God and shouting and dancing and she was as red in the face as I don't know what and just in the spirit. And that boy, that friend of mine, ran to the altar, fell on his face, and me and my wife ran down there behind him and we laid hands on him and he received the Holy Ghost that morning. And from that time on till his death, he died in 2019 of leukemia, but until his death, he, he would always say, that little girl was my burning bush. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I thought, wow, that is quite a testimony. And he became a Bible scholar because we studied every day. And I taught him everything I knew, and, it, and then he took it from there and went on. But, but that's, how the, that's how the anointing works. And, of course, we had an awesome pastor at the time, too, that was preaching. We had seven women came through that class that uh, came out of a drug and alcohol rehab center. They, seven of them got baptized in Jesus' name. We had one come in there and got the Holy Ghost in the Sunday school class one Sunday morning. She fell on her face at a, a, an old iron seat, you know, one of the fold-up iron, fold iron seats. And she cried a puddle of tears that big around and stood up and started speaking in tongues. And... Uh, and we just saw lots of things take place. We're talking about 
the, how God uses lay people. I wasn't called to preach at that time. That I, I just wasn't called right then. I, I, had a, I had a burden. I had a desire, but I didn't have a calling. And so, and I didn't get it till uh, a few years later. But anyway, uh, that's what happens with the, with that fiery preaching. That's the sword that turns every way. Praise God. And so it was scattered all through the Bible. That's why it was to keep the way of the tree of life, to keep what I told you a while ago. It was in a mystery all through the Old Testament. And to show you, it was like God said, you know, it wasn't written for, what, 3,000 years or more later about the uh, creation and all of, all of the things that took place back then. But when Moses came on the scene and he wrote the first five books of the Bible, he wrote Genesis, and God dictated it to him. Holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And, and Moses penned the words of what God had given him. And so in the beginning, God said, I'm going to show you something. He said, I'm going to show the devil something. He's going to see it. He's going to be able to read it. He can even quote it. But it's, he's not going to be able to comprehend it. It's going to go over his head. He's not going to be able to understand it. The word, of, if holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, you've got to have the Holy Ghost to understand it. That's why there's so many denominations today because they don't understand the word of God. It's gone over their heads. They've got to have the spirit of God to understand it. When the churches began to come, break away from the Roman Catholic Church and uh, form their own little organizations and churches and everything, they held on to the doctrine of the Catholic Church instead of going to the Bible and see what the early church preached and taught. And they held on to it, and they held on to it. Their traditions uh, kept them bound. They were bound by traditions, but traditions didn't override God's truths. And so uh, that's what happened with, the, with all of the denominal churches. They held on to the doctrine of the, of the early church, uh, I mean of the Catholic church, instead of going back and studying what the early church taught and believed. So that's what took place. So it, when, when Moses wrote the story of the creation where God, where the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was that form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And, God, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and he said, let there be light. Now, I, I know brother, the two Davis Brother uh, Todd Davis and Brother Dale Davis both have mentioned this and talked about it and spoke about the light and all of that. And I said I wasn't going to, I wasn't going, I was going to try to stay off the oneness of God today because they've done covered it so good. But the the thing about it is the light that God created, and one of them or both of them might have mentioned it wasn't the sun, moon, and stars because they were, they were created on the third day, I mean on the fourth day. So the light that, that was created was the enlightenment of who he is, okay? Now don't let that go over your head because it's, it's very simple. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, 
says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's what was created was the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it was put in a mystery all through the Bible, and no one could pick up on it except maybe a few. Maybe a few of the prophets might have got a glimpse of it. So, and what happens is, what happened was the earth was covered with water. Well, what do you think about when something's covered with water? It's baptized. So there's your baptism. Every sinner is in darkness until they see the light. And let me tell you a story. We, we started uh, pastoring a little home mission church back in the uh, 2004 or three or four, I forgot now what year. And a couple of years later, my wife was trying to, we was trying so hard to, to get people to come to church. We was working on Saturdays and stuff and trying to get, invite people to church. And she met this, this woman, she was a Muslim. And uh, my wife got to trying to talk to her and, and this lady said, well, uh, why would God send his son down to die for him? And she just went on and on and on about that. When he, and my wife tried to explain it to her, and she wouldn't let her talk. She just kept butting in, kept butting in. She said, I'll tell you what to do. You come and listen to my husband preach one time. Well, she came one Sunday morning, just a week or two later, and she come in with all her dress, her Muslim dress and everything, and sat on the back pew. And I was preaching a message on uh, the God of both Testaments. And I, was, and I was going through the genealogy, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, uh, and I'll go through that in a minute. But anyway, they think that the bloodline went through Hagar and Ishmael, and they, that's what they believe today. But I proved to her that that was the wrong bloodline. It had to be uh, from the lineage of Shem, not Ham. And uh, the Egyptians are of the lineage of Ham. And, and, uh, and he was not the promised seed. He was, he was uh, a seed of the flesh. But Isaac was a promised seed. God gave the promise. And that's what the title of my little message is today, The Promise Fulfilled. And that's what I've, I've titled it today, The Promise Fulfilled. And so... Uh, I was going through that. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac, uh, Jacob, and Jacob, Judah, and from Judah to David, and from David to uh, Mary, and from Mary to Jesus, from Jesus to the disciples and, and, and the apostles, and from the apostles to us today. And right in the middle of my teaching and preaching, she said, I see it, I see it. And, and Lord, the Holy Ghost fell in that room that day, and there was just a handful of us, I don't know how many. And so... Uh, the next Sunday she came to church. I baptized her in Jesus' name. We baptized, I think, 13 people that day in a little horse trough out in the backyard of that uh, little home mission church. And uh, she, she got baptized in Jesus' name. And the next Sunday I had a visiting preacher, and he was preaching. And, and uh, when he gave an altar call, she received the Holy Ghost. And uh, we got a picture somewhere where me and the evangelist had laid hands on her and she was speaking in tongues. And so uh, it takes the anointed preaching, the fiery preaching, for 
someone to turn. And that's exactly what happened. And she saw the light that when she said, I see it, I see it. It was a light that came on in her head and God revealed himself to her. And, and she knew it from then on. And I think she's, she passed away a few years ago but, and wound up moving to Washington state with her son. And so anyway, that, that's how, uh, that's how the light works. That's how the enlightenment works. When God opens the door and gives that bright light of who he is, then something's going to take place. But the earth was baptized with water. Okay? And then on the third day, God called the dry land to come up out of its baptism. And when it did, that's when new life began. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the plan of salvation in creation. There's Acts 2.38 right there. He put it in a mystery in the creation. And I just, I've been teaching that for several years now. A lot of people have never heard it before. I had never heard it taught before. Somebody else might have used it, but I, I had never seen it before. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what he did with the flaming sword that turned every way. He hid it through the word. And the next thing was the two sons of Adam and Eve. You remember Cain and Abel? And when it was time for the sacrifice, every male, of, uh, the eldest male of every family was to offer the sacrifice every year. Abel offered the right sacrifice. It was the lamb, the blood, the, the shed blood of the lamb for an atonement. But Cain wanted to do it his own way. You remember the story? So he brought the vegetables. He was a farmer. He, was, he raised a garden, and he brought vegetables. He thought that would be good enough. But let me tell you something. God has a plan, and, and we have to go directly by that plan. That plan is... It, you can't deviate from it. Let me tell you something. The Word of God, all the way through from uh, uh, Deuteronomy, all the way through the Bible, it's in, it's in Revelation, it's in Deuteronomy, and it's in many other places. You don't add to the Word of God, and you don't take away from the Word of God. No man has the right or the power to take away from the Word of God or add to the Word of God. They do not. I don't care. The Pope thinks he's infallible and he can change the word of God and he has done it, tried to, but he, he's in trouble with God. I can tell you that because you don't add to and you don't take away from the, from the word of God. And so all of these things, all of these stories, almost every story, the whole Old Testament is pointing to the day of Pentecost. Every story in the Bible is pointing to the day of Pentecost. So because of his disobedience to the word of God, and he gave him a chance to repent, but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> How many times have we tried to get people to repent and they won't do it today? It's just as bad today as it was back then. So he'd, he banished uh, Cain to the land of Nod. And the land of Nod means, Nod means wandering. So he was wandering, wandering and wandering and wandering, but never could find repentance. He was looking for something, but he couldn't find it. He was wandering. The world is in the land of Nod today. <laughs> they're, they're still wandering. They don't know about baptism. They have been taught that you don't even have to be baptized to be saved. Well, I, I beg to differ. 
But anyway, the world kept getting worse and worse and worse. And for the next several hundred years, over a thousand years, the earth became worse and worse and worse. It was full of violence. It was full. Of, it was almost as bad as it is today. <laughs> and God got tired of it. He repented that he ever made man. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God told Noah, I'm going to destroy this earth and I'm going to destroy it with water. And I want you to build an ark. And it's going to be 300 cubits long. It's going to be 50 cubits wide. And it's going to be 30 cubits tall. Now, let me ask you a question. If he had just made that thing 200 cubits long and uh, 25 cubits wide and uh, 15 cubits tall, would it, have, would it have made it through the flood? Absolutely not. It had to be done just exactly by the plans that God gave uh, Moses, uh, uh, Noah, excuse me, that, gave, that he gave Noah. And so it, to the exact specifications, or it would never have floated. And so when the floods began to come down, and the, and the earth was broken up beneath. The tectonic plates were broken up, and water gushed out of the earth. I saw here a few years ago where scientists had found, uh, and I thought, man, no wonder that there's more water 400 miles under the crust of the earth than there is on top of the earth. And, uh, and I had never heard that before. And so... Uh, and, and then you got your uh, comets and stuff up there in outer space. There are trillions of them that are just ice balls and everything that if they was to fall to the earth, it, it, would, it would be way more than what fell on uh, during that flood. But that thing had to be built just exactly right. And the reason why I looked up that scripture in, in – uh, uh, Isaiah, I mean, in uh, Ephesians, uh, is because the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that boat, that ship had to be sealed, and that's what that was pointing to. The inside had to be sealed, but also the outside had to be sealed. So the seal was the Holy Spirit of promise, and the outside was our water baptism. You can't make it to heaven without, without the blood of Jesus Christ. And how do you get the blood of Jesus Christ? Through baptism in his name. That's the only way you can get his blood. You're covered with, by his atoning blood when you're baptized in Jesus' name. Atoning means to cover. And our sins are covered. And what happens is when uh, you get to heaven... And you tell the Lord, Lord, I want to thank you for saving me from my sins. And he's going to say, what sins are you talking about? All I can see is the blood. He sees the blood. He don't see our sins. Thank God. We, 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 don't, we don't live in sin. We live, we live from our sins. We are saved from our sins, thank not you. in our sins. You, God delivered us from sin. I was, a, 
I was a drunk. I would smoked. I dipped snuff. I did all kinds of stuff before I ever heard this message. But when I came to an altar of repentance, I laid my cigarettes down on that altar. I laid, took that snuff out of my That's pocket and right. I laid it Woo! on the altar. When I got home that night, I poured two fists of whiskey down the drain. Oh, and I said, no more, no more. I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. Cold turkey, cold turkey. I got on snuff to try to quit try to quit cigarettes and all I did was got two habits. I'd throw a cigarette down and take a dip of snuff. I'd th spit the snuff out and light another cigarette. But but when I when you fall in love with Jesus, brother uh, McDoodle, Dougal, the pro your your love for Jesus is greater than the love of your sins. It gives you a it gives you a, an incentive to to give it up. I listened to Brother Lee Looper tell about his, uh, give his testimony on your podcast yes. the other day. And I thought, man, I was just, I, did, I never knew drugs. I never did drugs. But I did the alcohol part. And, uh, and I, I craved that little high feeling when you, when you, you know, in, uh, every day. And, but God delivered me from that. Thank and he'll Jesus. deliver anybody That's from right. it. When you fall in love with Jesus, right. it's greater than the That's love of right. your, of your sins. You, <laughs> and so the, uh, the storm was awesome. It was, it was unbelievable. It went up to 22 feet above the highest mountain peak. Now, during the flood, there was tsunamis and there was crashing waves. And it was a storm like you've never heard of or even seen. There were mile-high tsunamis or higher than that, and it was pushing the tectonic plates all over the earth, and there was mud deposits and, and sand deposits and rock deposits that spread all over the earth, probably the, the hills right here in Arkansas, right around Little Rock, north of Little Rock, and out where I live close to Mayflower. They're, they're every one of them are set at an angle. Have you ever seen how the rocks are set at an angle like this? I got a rock formation right behind my house. It goes for probably three quarters of a mile, and every one of them is set on the same angle all the way across there. It's about, oh, two, three foot high. But, but anyway, that's what continents bumped against each other through, through, the, through the flood. And a lot of people don't really realize how catastrophic that flood was. And let me tell you something else. Everybody is going to have a storm someday. And I was thinking, when I read this and was studying this, I thought about the 27th chapter of the book of Acts when Paul was in a ship. They were trying to get him to, to uh, uh, Rome so he could be tried. And in that ship, that, when they got off in that ship, there come a storm. And that storm began to rock that boat, and they had thrown everything they could throw out of it to try to lighten the boat. And the wind kept blowing, and it kept, and the waves kept crashing. And the Bible says after 14 days of that storm, they sounded and they saw, said there's land land in front of them, but they were afraid that they would, would hit the rocks. It was in the night. So they threw out four anchors. And, and it goes on and says, this is a place where two seas met. Now, four anchors. 
Wow, four anchors. <laughs> the Bible said these things are said for our admonition. And what that means is it's stuff that we need to uh, take notice of. We need to look at. We need to dig a little deeper and, and see what that means. And that's what those stories are about in, in not just the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. And so what happened was they throw four anchors out, and we have four anchors today. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's our anchors that we can always depend on. What happened in those four anchors? Well, in one of one place in, in Luke, or in uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Simon, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And he said, uh, anyway, he said, and I give unto thee, he says in one of those scriptures, I give unto thee because of this, I'll build my church. I'm going to build my church on this because of this. And uh, he, he was talking about the future. He wasn't talking about right then because it wasn't time for it right then. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does a gate do? It either holds something in or keeps something out. And so the gates of hell cannot come against the church because it's held out. He's held in, he's held in place. As long as we're praying and seeking God and living right, and as long as we keep going to church and we stay in the boat, <laughs> the, the, the gates is not going to give. But, uh, but anyway, he said, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Now, how many times we heard Bishop Holmes preach on the keys of the kingdom and he'd have a, ring of keys out there shaking them and teaching on this. And it was, it's always awesome to hear him preach that. But uh, the keys of the kingdom is like, it was, a, it was the message. It's like saying the keys to uh, uh, success is hard work. It's not really a key that you turn and unlock something, but it's, it's the message. And Peter on the day of Pentecost used that key to give us the plan of salvation in Acts 2.38 because after the Holy Ghost was outpoured on the day of Pentecost, and they, uh, 120, the Holy Ghost fell on the 120, and they spoke in tongues, and uh, cloven tongues of fire set up on them, and they spoke in tongues and magnified God. And, and uh, Peter stood up with the 11 and preached the first salvation message. Up till then, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ, I think it's in... Uh, Galatians 4 and 4. I don't know if I've got it written down or not. But uh, Galatians 4 and 4, it, uh, it says, uh, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now let me tell you something. The four gospels were still under the law. Even though it was written years later in the New Testament, Jesus was still under the law. Why? Because the new dispensation hadn't started. The new covenant had not started yet. So the new covenant had to come in before the old covenant could be done away with. So uh, the death, burial, and resurrection hadn't taken place yet. The thief on the cross was still under the law. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't been buried yet. He hadn't risen yet. He hadn't been ascended yet. John said in John uh 737, I think it is. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. What scripture? Old Testament scripture. Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. 
He was talking about Old Testament scriptures, that mystery that came all the way through the Old Testament about who he is and who and the plan of salvation that was to come. He said, uh, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then John came, came in and said, but this spake he of the spirit that they that believe on him should receive, should, shall, and must means the same thing. They should receive it. They must receive it. And so <clears throat> the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, and this is what he preached about, and he went to uh, Joel 2.28, and he used the scriptures of Joel 2.28 that says, In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. I will, I will, I will. What's the I will? It's something that was going to take place in the future, and it was the will of God. When God says, I will, that's his will. <laughs> Just as simple as that. Uh, uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 talks about the will of God, that he's going to pour out his spirit. Uh, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going, to put, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to do this. But it was to the Jews. But, but, uh, and then Isaiah said in 28, 19, uh, and uh, I think it's 28, 9 through 13. Anyway, uh, he said, for stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. And this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. What? The stammering lips and another tongue because that's when the Spirit of God comes on you. That's the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. So in the rest, we're living in the day of rest. This is, we're living in the Sabbath. This is the, the seventh uh, covenant that God has had with man. This is the final covenant before he takes his church out of here. So we're living in the day of rest. And, and so he preached his message, and at the end of his message, they said, oh, he said this, this same Jesus whom you crucified has become both Lord and Christ. Jesus is both. Lord meant Jehovah. Christ meant the anointed one. So he is Jehovah the anointed one. Jehovah the anointed one. Jehovah. In Jesus Christ, God became something he had never been before, which was man, but never ceased to be what he always was, which was God. God is omnipresent. He fills the universe. Look how big the universe is. <laughs> they got a new telescope. They can't even see the edge of it. It's so big. So uh, they can see like 13 billion light years across, but they can't see the other side of it yet, my Lord. So he fills the universe, and uh, but, but he's both. He's both Lord and Christ. And so uh, I've, I've got to, to, the blood, to, to the flood, but I was going to tell you this story too, and I, I, I've told it at church and, and everything, about people having... Uh, everyone's, everybody's going to have a storm in their life. Every one of us has storms. You, if you haven't, you better look out because you're going to have a storm one of these days. And look, look what happened when our, our bishop and, and pastor lost, lost the bishop's wife and, and, and brother, uh, uh, pastor's mother. You're talking about a storm. You're talking about a storm that not only hit their family but hit our church. And I'm telling you, I was laid up in the hospital. I had surgery at that time. It was at the end of, October, of uh, December. 
And all I could do was just lay there and cry and pray for them because I couldn't be there for them. And I felt like I needed to be there and I couldn't be there. I was in the hospital in Pine Bluff. And, uh, but that was a storm. That was a storm for our church. But we still had four anchors. And I remember Brother Holmes talking about when the, he come to the church after all of that. And he was, the devil jumped on him and said, now, what are you going to do? And he picked up two tambourines and he started worshiping God. And, uh, you know, that's how we come through the storm. We come through the storm through our worship and our praise and our, and our prayers and, and just staying in the boat, stay in the boat. But in uh, 2021, we had a storm hit us, my family, my, me and my wife. Uh, the last week of uh, June, we both came down with a COVID. And uh, I had a doctor's appointment. I got it on a Friday. My wife had had it for several days. And I had a doctor's appointment for Monday. And so I called to see if my wife could get in there. And they let, they let her come in there. And we, we sat in there all day long before we finally got to see the doctor. And we both tested positive uh, for COVID. And so he gave us an antibiotic and some pills. I don't know what all he gave us. I don't forgot back since then. But anyway, we come home. Well, I could take mine, but she couldn't take it. And we tried to call the doctor, and he I, we couldn't get through to him. And so finally, that was on a Monday. So finally on Friday, I took her to another doctor and they gave her another prescription. <clears throat> and the next morning was Saturday, the 3rd of July. And she woke up, I mean, she woke me up at four o'clock in the morning and said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, call 911. Well, I got on the phone, called 911, and it just like, it took forever. And she was just, <gasps> just struggling to breathe. And uh, so finally, finally, after about an hour and a half, they showed up, and then they sat out in the driveway. seemed like another hour before they came in there. And I'm here I am with the COVID, too. I was sick as a dog. And uh, they took her to uh, the Baptist Medical Center there in Conway and kept her there for, I don't know, several hours. And finally she texted or called me and said, they're going to take me to Spring Hill in, in uh North Little Rock. So they put her on an ambulance, took her to Spring Hill. They put her in a room where there wasn't even a window or no button to mash or no water, no nothing. Just put her in the bed, shoved her in the room, closed the door, and walked off and left her. Well, I tried, she, she would call me or text me, and I tried calling the hospital. I couldn't get a soul. Wouldn't nobody answer the phone. I called every number I knew. Finally, we knew somebody that had connections there and we I called her and she finally got a hold of me and they finally got her and she just kept getting worse and worse and worse and uh so they finally had to take her to ICU and uh and they put her on 90 percent oxygen now listen that's as high as you can go with oxygen I suppose I don't know I don't know if you can put a hundred percent on somebody but and still her oxygen level would go down in the 60s. If she sat up in the bed, it would drop into the 60s. And for, five, she, didn't, she didn't sleep for five days. She had to sit on the side of the bed. And uh, so sick and so sick. And I'm so sick and I'm trying to pray for her. And I've called it everybody I know in the church and family and friends in other states and 
instead of trying to get them to pray. And we had them praying from California to Texas, Louisiana, uh, Arkansas, and just everywhere, Missouri, and uh, di several different states, and plus all the people in our church. And I was just worried, Brother uh, Bishop Holmes and Brother Holmes, uh, uh, to death, you know, texting them, oh, pr please pray. So one one night she called me and said, I, I'm too tired. I cannot hold out anymore. I haven't slept in five days. I can't get any air. I think I'm going to have to go. And I said, no, baby, you can't go. You can't go. We're right in the middle of building this house. It was still being uh, framed. And I, and I told her, it, I, I said, I'm, I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. So I kept praying, and I told the Lord, I can't live. I, I, this house don't mean anything to me without her. You know, I want my wife to live. And I was desperate with God and still so sick myself, I couldn't hardly pray. And I went to bed that night, and at 1 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I probably didn't go to bed till 10. I woke up at 1, and I started, I was laying in the bed praying, sick, just sick as I could be. And I prayed for about 30 minutes, and I said, well, I might as well get up. And I got up and got dressed, and uh, I got down by the bed, and I started praying. And I prayed till 5 o'clock. And, and she was just getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, I, I don't know if I texted him or called him. I, I, I don't remember, but I called. I, I got a hold to the bishop anyway, and I said, uh, Brother Holmes, my wife is dying. Would you please call her and pray for her over the phone? So he, wasn't even, he hadn't even got up, and he wasn't even dressed. <laughs> and she said he FaceTimed her, and uh, she uh, picked up the phone and he was putting his robe on while he was and speaking in tongues the whole time he was putting his robe on and anyway she said he started praying for her and she she was so sick all she could do was just say Jesus 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 and uh, he he prophesied over her and he spoke healing over her and he said Sister Whitehead you're coming home. And from that time on, she texted me or called me. I don't remember. We was texting and calling each other all the time. And, and uh, she told me what he had said and what, what took place. And uh, so uh, anyway, from that time on, she started improving. And the next day or so, they put her back in a room. And they started taking her oxygen. She, cutting her oxygen back from 90% to 80, and then it went to 70, and it went to 60. And then Saturday, I think it was a Saturday, they cut it all the way back down to 20%. And finally, Sunday afternoon, I was still sick. I wasn't going to come to church sick with the, with the COVID. And uh, sun, late Sunday afternoon, she called me and said, come get me, I'm coming home. Hallelujah. Whew. Thank you, Lord. You're talking about a, a man that was... So thankful thank to you, God Jesus. for touching my yes, wife, and, and so I, I went up and got God. her. And <laughs> I went and got her, picked her up, and I said, "What, what do you want to do?" She said, "I want some Popeyes chicken." Said I hadn't been able to eat oh, anything in a week, so good, <laughs> we went and got some Popeyes yes, chicken and went sir, home. And, but anyway, that yes, that's the storms Lord. we go through, yes, brother. And it was in a place where two seas met. Yes, you remember that story? Yeah. Can you imagine a storm where there's waves hitting this side from one sea and waves hitting that side from the other sea and yeah. back and yes. forth oh. and that ship rocking? 
and uh, with four anchors holding on. Thank you, Let Lord. me tell you what the, the, the two waves are. It's fear and unbelief. And brother, let me tell you, I had fear. I, I honest, I, I have to be honest. I was, I was fearful. I was really fearful that I was going to lose my wife. Yes. And I, and and the unbelief that the devil kept hitting me with unbelief and trying to hit me with the fear. But I said, I'm going to stay in the boat. I'm going to keep holding on to God. I'm going to keep praying. And and God's going to come through. And yeah. He did come through. Thank, Thank God. You, Hallelujah. Jesus. And I, I know there's so much more that I could go into. Yes. I ain't even got to Abraham or, uh, you know, he had two covenants. and he, God told him to come out of the land of the Chaldees and, and uh, turn your back on that and come out of it, go to the land of promise. And the land of promise is where the promise was going to take place. And the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. In uh, Genesis 12 and 3, is. God said, I'm going to bless them that bless you, and I'm going to curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And uh, when, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and he said, repent, he told those people, then Peter said unto them, when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, how can we be delivered from this? How can we be saved? He said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he didn't stop there. He said, for the promise. What promise? The promise that God had given Abraham in 12 and 3. That was the promise that through him all the families of the earth could be blessed. And that's how the families of the earth can be blessed is through that plan of salvation. And uh, for the promises unto you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible says in the 42nd verse of Acts 2, and says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread. So the early church held on to the doctrine. The doctrine has never been changed. If it's been changed, it's been man-made, man-changed. Man, uh, men changed the plan and, and tried to find another way, and you can't find another way. Well, thank you so much, brother. We sure do appreciate it, brother. We love you. We thank you so much. Thank Hadn't you, you been blessed today? We just, I'm telling you, Lord, we just, man, brother Whitehead, thank you so much for that. You have blessed us today, and I know everybody here has been blessed, and we're going to hear from our pastor, and he's going to sing a song called Word. Thank you, Lord. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed. Hold on. 
with me. Glory to the God who changed my life, and I will praise you forever, forever, and ever. Come on, sing it. Sacrifice your life so I could be. 